Hey everyone, it's James Lindsay. You are listening to the New Discourses podcast. And we're going to talk about the plan, so to speak. We're going to look a little further down the road. I want to actually just kind of dive in on this episode. No long rambling preamble, but I got to give you a little context, of course. Um, I want to go through this document that was published by an organization in 2019. The organization is called UK Fires, F-I-R-E-S. You can actually look this up. The document is called Absolute Zero. So you can look up UK Fires Absolute Zero. You can find the report. It's a 31-page report. Um, I think you should take a look at it. And so Absolute Zero is kind of the extension of the concept of net zero, which you've probably heard of. Net zero means that we have to achieve net zero emissions. Emissions is the secret bad word, by the way. Emissions is the thing we all have to look at. When we're talking about this so-called climate change, climate justice, environmental tyranny program that we're kind of being thrust into, environmental communism, really, um, green communism, if you want, the word emissions is the scaremongering term. Everything in the entire orbit of society is being organized in terms of being sustainable, but the thing that's not sustainable is emissions. And emissions might be carbon dioxide, they might be methane, they might be other nitrogen compounds, whatever it happens to be that they want to exert control over. Primarily um, carbon dioxide and methane uh, because of the climate change claims that they make. Now, I'm not about to try to adjudicate climate change here. I just want to present to you the idea of net zero versus absolute zero. And then we're going to read into this document. And I'm also going to give you some information on who UK fires is. So net zero is the idea that we need to have net zero emissions. In other words, for every, say, coal plant pumping CO2 into the atmosphere to create electricity, we have to have some kind of an offset that pulls CO2 out of the atmosphere so that the amount of emissions is net zero. Absolute zero is a slightly, (laughs) not even slightly, extremely more radical proposition is that there will be absolutely no emissions by the year 2050. And so the cover image of the absolute zero document looks like a big green check mark, but if you actually look, it's a graph and it shows a red line that's driving downward And at the point in the middle, the lowest point, it hits the x-axis at 2050. So I guess it's the t-axis, the time axis. And above that, you have a second line that's doing kind of a parabolic arc in blue, and it says energy. So the energy is going to go down, 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 down until 2050. And apparently the technology on the other side of our zero emission future in 2050 is going to arc up. So net zero, in a sense, can be thought of as a much milder approach or the 2030 goal on its way to the 2050 goal of absolute zero, depending on how seriously we take UK fires in this report from 2019, which I'm going to read the executive summary in the first section of to you. I'm going to go through it so you can see how extreme this really is. But who are UK fires? So UK Fires has his website, ukfires.org. You can go look them up. And they list their partners, but they describe themselves this way. UK Fires is a collaboration between the universities of Cambridge, Oxford, Nottingham, Bath, and Imperial College London. 
That's nothing small. Those are extremely significant universities. Um, Cambridge and Oxford arguably being the most significant universities. Now, of course, Imperial College London, we learned during the COVID-19 outbreak, partnered with the CCP. I think it was uh, Xi Jinping said that it was actually uh, his kind of emissary university in the West. They say that we are funded by the EPSRC, which I don't immediately see. It says the Engineering and Physical Sciences Research Council. That's what that is. And it's tied into the UK Research and Innovation Program. So we are funded by the Engineering and Physical Sciences Research Council. The Engineering and Physical Science Research Council is the main funding body for engineering and physical science research in the United Kingdom. By investing in uh, by investing and postgraduate training, we are building the knowledge and skills needed to address the scientific and technological challenges facing the nation. So UK Fires is not some fringe group. They are a collaboration between the universities of Cambridge, Oxford, Nottingham, Bath, and Imperial College London, and they are funded explicitly by the main funding body for engineering and physical sciences research in the United Kingdom. They have a large number of Partners listed on their website, you guys can go look at them, Anglo-American, Atkins, Catapult, Emerson, Materials Process Institute, Sky, Whitby Wood, and uh, Advanced Electric Machines, uh, in addition to those universities just named, and then what looks like something, tiny, tiny letters, Strathclyde, Glasgow. And so they are not a small deal, and they are very proud of their... UK Fires absolute zero thing, because if we actually go to their website, which I'm on, ukfires.org, the first words on the website under the kind of, you know, image, the marketing image at the top are delivering on the UK's commitment to zero emissions in 2050 presents a tremendous opportunity for UK industries to develop strategies for global leadership through innovation compatible with a safe climate. Professor Julian Allwood, UK Fires Director. So they are serious about this 2050 absolute zero thing. So let's just break into a glimpse of the future and see what this thing is all about. So the tagline on their document, this 31-page uh, document, says delivering the UK's climate change commitment with incremental changes to today's technologies. So that's very Fabian incremental changes. We're going to do little changes to today's technology again and again and again. Now, there's another document that I don't actually have in front of me, but I kind of want to bring it to your attention. This was published in 2019 also, and it was written by a group of people. Um, I've shared an image of it on, on Twitter a number of times, and maybe I'll go into this document at some point. But one of the authors was Richard Florida. And Richard Florida was one of well, is the guy who actually back in 2009 wrote the first book called The Great Reset and what Richard Florida in co-authors describe in this document is in fact that the model that they're using to get people to go through these incremental changes is like software updates so we're doing software updates to society in essence so they're going to update the software of society how society runs and you get to opt in as you go. Life just gets more and more and more and more and more of a pain in the ass the longer you wait to opt in. Just like when your computer decides there's time for updates, you don't have to do it. You don't have to upgrade your operating system. 
but your computer gets clunkier and works worse and worse and worse until you finally suck it up and do it. And that's actually the model by which they want to proceed. This is why I keep saying that the tyranny of the 21st century is going to be opt-in. You have to opt into their programs, and they just make life worse and worse for you if you refuse while dangling out how good and convenient life is when you accept. That's why I've done podcasts now on the power of opting out, the power of, say, pulling your kids out of the school so they're not in the data mining programs, so that they're not part of the opting in uh, system that they're they're building. We opted out of the vaccine in large numbers, and as a result, we don't have vaccine passports is kind of the logic there. So the goal here through incremental changes today to today's technology is that they're going to incrementally tweak the technologies of today, and people can opt in, or industries can opt in, or they can just kind of fall behind. But they're just going to continue to march forward with these incremental changes, and you either go along or you struggle. So that's the strategy and mentality. Now, remember, this is the goal for 2050. Now, I will point out that this, again, document was published in 2019, if I have my dates right. Um, let me double check that. Yeah, first published 29th November 2019. And because I happen to work with insiders in the travel and tourism industry, as many of you know, they go to travel and tourism conferences. It turns out they have kind of like the CPAC of travel and tourism, which is called IMEX, I-M-E-X. I don't know what IMEX actually stands for. You're more than welcome to look it up and find out. I don't particularly care. I'm not involved. But I do know that at least two or three years ago, IMEX was talking about this document because that's where my colleagues got it. That's where they saw this document for the first time. So IMAX was taking it quite seriously. Now, I also know that in the travel, tourism, shipping, transportation, etc. industries that are all related to that, that there's a lot of disquiet and discomfort right now. They're still saying sustainability, sustainability, and beating that drum and beating this kind of net zero, absolute zero drum as an agenda priority for the industry. But more and more people that are high up in the corporations involved in this industry are getting nervous. They're thinking this isn't, something's not right. And they're whispering to one another. They're in the whispering to one another, but not daring to speak out phase. I encourage them to speak out sooner rather than later. The travel, transportation, and shipping industries, that's your supply chain when we get to shipping, by the way, are going to be extraordinarily crucial to them affecting the goals that they have to transform our world into their tyranny. And the only way we're going to stop it is by people who are in a position to know, in authority to know, blowing the whistle. If you're nervous, you need to start networking with each other, doing the same thing people are doing everywhere else, creating conditions to insulate yourself from the worst of what's coming when you speak up and start speaking up. Start leaking things privately. Get this information out there. If you're in the airline industry or you're in the shipping industry or you are in uh, fossil fuel industry or a number of others, as we'll hear, you are on the chopping block. You are being asked to commit suicide for your own industry. I often joke with kind of a Lord of the Rings reference, you know, one ring to rule them all, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing, well, one of the part of the poem is nine rings for the mortal men doomed to die. And I say nine rings for the mortal industries doomed to die. That's you. Airline industry, that's you. You're being asked to commit suicide. If you don't want your industry to commit suicide with everything that that entails, you might want to fight back. 
you might want to start saying something. Same in the shipping industry, same as the fossil fuels industry, as we're going to hear. So what it says here is UK demand for energy intensive materials is growing, driving increased emissions. There's your boogeyman word in the UK and abroad. UK Fires is a research program sponsored by the UK government. So it's not just all those universities that I mentioned, but their funding from the Engineering Council is in fact the UK government, aiming to support a 20% cut in the UK's true emissions by 2050 by placing resource efficiency, that's capitalized, so that's a proper noun, resource efficiency, at the heart of the UK's future industrial strategy. That's also a proper noun. UK fu UK's future industrial strategy is also an agenda. Industry is the most challenging sector for climate mitigation. It's energy efficient, and there are no substitutes available at scale for the energy-intensive bulk materials, steel, cement, plastic, paper, and aluminum. UK Fires is therefore working towards an industrial renaissance in the UK with high-value, climate-safe UK businesses delivering goods and services compatible with the UK's legal commitment to zero emissions and with much less new material production. Now, this doesn't even sound good. Their sales pitch doesn't even sound good. This all sounds very suspicious and very, very unrealistic, because it is. So let's go through the executive summary. In big print at the top, they say, we can't wait for breakthrough technologies to deliver net zero emissions by 2050. Instead, we can plan to respond to climate change using today's technologies with incremental change. This will reveal many opportunities for growth, but requires a public discussion about future lifestyles. So we're going to change how we live. In other words, I was about to say before I read that last sentence of this, when they say we're going to use today's technologies with incremental change. Guess who the incremental changes are going to be required of? Oh, you. You. Us. Normal people are going to have to make massive changes in our, our, our standard of living. Which if we go back in time and we remember what Herbert Marcuse said repeatedly through the 1960s. Remember, neo-Marxist Herbert Marcuse lays out the vision for the new left, says that the reason capitalism is going to fail is it's not sustainable in one-dimensional man. What does he say, especially in that same book, One Dimensional Man in 1964, most popular book of the new left in the 1960s, what does he say repeatedly is going to be necessary to move forward into a sustainable economy? We're going to have to adopt a lower standard of living. We're going to have to get used to one so that we can have socialism, which in 1969, five years later, he writes a very famous essay called Essay on Liberation and begins with a chapter in that long essay titled A Biological Foundation for Socialism and talks about how we have to transmute new values into people so that they become new people so that we can have a biological foundation for socialism at the level of their vital needs. And that is what we're talking about. And he mentions there again that our standard of living is too high and so on. So this is where this is kind of tied up and coming from. We know that, for example, when we look at the sustainable development agenda as promoted by UNESCO, which is not the same organization, that they started off talking about in a 100-page in a document talking about higher education institutions and universities, they started off by quoting Herbert Marcuse and saying we have to look back at him very seriously. So I would say that this is part and parcel, the idea of sustainable capitalism as the dialectical opposite to shareholder capitalism, or as a dialectical pair with uh, what we might call productive socialism, is the vision for the future. And this emissions 
minimization is actually one of the levers by which they're going to force us into it. So here's what they tell us. We have to cut our greenhouse gas emissions, there's that word again, to zero by 2050. That's insane. We have to cut our greenhouse gas emissions to zero. P.S. You exhale, when you breathe, you exhale carbon dioxide, which is a greenhouse gas. We have to cut our greenhouse gas emissions to zero by 2050. Turns out when squirrels and birds and every other animal on the planet breathes, it also emits carbon dioxide. We have to cut our greenhouse gas emissions to zero, no emissions, by 2050. That's what climate scientists tell us. Well, we can trust them, I'm sure. It's what social protesters are asking for. Let me ask you guys a question at UK Fires. Who gives a shit what they're asking for? They're lunatics. Why do we care what climate protesters are asking for? It's what social protesters are asking for, and now it's the law in the UK, because the UK is stupid and is destroying its own society. That's there's There it is as blunt as it needs to be. They say, but we aren't on track. For 20 years, we've been trying to solve the problem with new or breakthrough technologies that supply energy and allow industry to keep growing, you know, like nuclear plants, so we don't have to change our lifestyles. Oh, that's what this is about. Tyranny. But although some exciting new technology options are being developed, it will take a long time to deploy them and they won't be operating at scale within 30 years. Meanwhile, our cars are getting heavier. Yeah, because they're full of batteries because they're electric. Meanwhile, our cars are getting heavier, we're flying more each year, and we heat our homes to higher temperatures. Oh, we have a decent and improving standard of living, but we have to have lifestyle changes. Do you see what this is what this is all about? We all know that this makes no sense. No, actually, we don't, because we don't all believe the lying climate science. Well, they're not necessarily lying. They might just be wrong. The climate scientists and the conclusions politicians are drawing from whatever the climate scientists are saying. Okay, so meanwhile, our cars are getting heavier, we're flying more each year, and we heat our homes to higher temperatures. Those are the things they're going to target. We all know that this makes no sense, but it's difficult to start discussing how we really want to address climate change while we keep hoping that new technologies will take the problem away. You notice that they've shut down all those nuclear plants? Let's just remind you. Old technology was taking the problem away. Nuclear energy is not new. There are new generations of nuclear plants being developed that are taking the problem away. But... They don't want that because they want new lifestyles, because they want tyranny. In response, they say, this report starts from today's technologies. If we really want to reach zero emissions in 30 years' time, what does that involve? Most of what we, sorry, most of what we most enjoy, spending time together as families or communities, leisure, sport, creativity, can continue and grow unhindered. We need to switch to using electricity as our only form of energy, and if we continue today's impressive rates of growth in non-emitting generation, PS but not nuclear, we'll only have to cut our use in energy to 60% of today's levels. Oh my gosh, we only have to cut our use of energy that warms houses and enables us to live our lives in freer and better ways to 60% of today's levels. We only have to go backwards by 40%. They say we can achieve this with incremental changes to the way we use energy. We can drive smaller cars and take the train when possible, use efficient electric heat pumps to keep warm, and buy buildings, vehicles, and equipment that are better designed and that last much longer. Well, we could drive smaller cars, I suppose, or maybe we should not drive electric cars because they're very heavy. 
We can take the train whenever possible. Well, here's the thing with public transit. Public transit is slower. It takes you an hour to go somewhere that you would be able to go in maybe 15 minutes. It's much less efficient. You are going to have to travel for yourself to the station, ride the train to a station near where you're actually trying to go, and then go to the place you're trying to go. The longer you're caught up in transit, the longer you're not doing something else. You're not doing something more productive. So you're wasting your time, just like how bread lines wasted people's time in the Soviet Union very intentionally. Two big challenges, they say, that we face. Two big challenges we face with an all-electric future are flying and shipping. Although there are lots of new ideas about electric planes, they won't be operating at commercial scales within 30 years. So zero emissions means that for some period, we'll all stop using airplanes. That's what it says right there. We will all stop using airplanes. You think Klaus Schwab is going to stop? Do you think Bill Gates is going to give up his private jet? No. Normal people will. The managerial elite will not. But to get to, because electric planes won't be operating at scale, commercial scale within 30 years, to get to zero emissions, they just tell you bluntly, we'll all stop using airplanes. So they're going to make airplanes prohibitively expensive to fly in, uncomfortable to fly in. They're going to create a demand crisis on purpose to drive it down until finally, probably at the, at the, on the other side of some crisis, like plane crashes caused by maybe diversity hires or something, they say, this is too dangerous. We have to rethink what we're doing. But did you hear that quite explicitly? Hello, airline industry. This is you committing suicide because these idiots are telling you you have to. Zero emissions means that for some period, we'll all stop using airplanes. Shipping is more challenging. Oh, so it's not just flying, like, oh, it's leisure, it's vacation, it's business, all getting axed. Shipping. Where do you think you get a lot of your food, people? Where do you think you get almost all of your consumer goods? Shipping is more challenging, but that's in the crosshairs too. Shipping is more challenging, although there are a few military ships run by nuclear reactors, we currently don't have any large electric merchant ships, but we depend strongly on shipping for imported food and goods. So I wasn't kidding. That's where your food and commercial goods come from. In addition, obeying the law of our Climate Change Act, which maybe needs to get repealed and thrown into the lake immediately, just crumple it up and put it in the English Channel, UK, because it's going to destroy your nation Obeying the law of our Climate Change Act, which should be called Climate Communism Act, requires that we stop doing anything that causes emissions regardless of its energy source. I don't know how they're going to manufacture those solar panels and windmills. This requires that we stop uh, eating beef and lamb. No, oh, no beef, no lamb, no airplanes, no shipping. Ruminants who release methane as they digest grass because they fart and burp or whatever. And already many people have started to switch to more vegetarian diets. Is this sounding like, this is their executive summary for their plan. Is this sounding fun? This is where things are headed. This is absolute zero. Because emissions, bad emissions. However, the most difficult problem is cement. Oh, we're not going to have cement either. Making cement releases emissions regardless of how it's powered. There are current, there's a reason for that, because making cement, or cement is actually bound together using quicklime. Quicklime is actually, if I remember my stuff right, it's calcium carbonate, which is obtained from calcium bicarbonate, which is obtained from grinding up limestone. And you grind up the limestone, and you actually bake off 
the uh, some of the carbon dioxide so that calcium bicarbonate becomes calcium carbonate, and calcium carbonate is the quicklime binder that basically turns concrete into uh, artificial limestone, more or less, just broad strokes. That's what's going on. Making cement releases emissions. In other words, just to get the quicklime out of the rock, you have to release tons of CO2. Oh, that's why we can't build nuclear plants because they're made out of concrete. That's why we can't build anything made out of concrete because it requires cement. So the bigger problem, it's not that you're not going to be allowed to eat meat. It's not going to be that there's no shipping of food and commercial goods. It's not that there'll be no airplanes and reducing all use of heating and transportation to 60% of current uses. There can be no cement because making cement releases emissions regardless of of how it's powered. There are currently no alternative options available at scale, and we don't know how to install new renewables or make new energy efficient buildings without it. Oh. We need to discuss these challenges as a society. Making progress on climate change requires that the three key groups of players, government, businesses, and individuals, work together rather than waiting for the other two to act first. So government and individuals, that's tyranny. Government and businesses, that's fascism. It's public-private partnership. Businesses and individuals, I don't even know. that. I mean, that's a market, right? So apparently they all three have to be con- smashed into one thing, which is tyranny. It's just going to be tyranny. But until we face up to the fact that breakthrough technologies won't arrive fast enough, we can't even begin having the right discussion. Now, of course, they already told us what the problem is. It's the bad law, the Climate Change Act, which reifies a nonsense proposition about how we should proceed given climate change, regardless of its reality or falsity. Committing to zero emissions, they tell us, creates tremendous opportunities. Oh, yeah. after we lose our shipping of food and, and, and commercial goods, and we lose our ability to travel by airplane, and we reduce our ability to travel any other way, and we reduce our ability to heat our homes and, and use electricity, probably rolling brownouts and, and scheduled brownouts and things like that, and, and we completely get rid of cement, um, on top of all of that, there are tremendous opportunities. There will be huge growth, they say, in the use and conversion of electricity for travel, warmth, and in industry. Growth in new zero-emissions diets. Mmm, porridge. Growth in materials production, manufacturing and construction compatible with zero emissions. In other words, something to replace cement. Growth in leisure and domestic travel. Because you're not going anywhere internationally, by the way. Growth in businesses that help us to use energy efficiently and to conserve the value in materials. Bringing about this change and exploring the opportunities it creates requires three things to happen together. As individuals, we need to be part of the process. Exploring the changes in lifestyle we prefer in order to make zero emissions a reality. So you've got to give up your quality of life to zero emission cult logic. Protest, they say, is no longer enough. We must together discuss the way we want the solution to develop. The government needs to treat this as a delivery challenge, just like we did with the London Olympics, on time and on budget. The emitting businesses that must close, sorry about your factory, sorry about your your life's work, guys. The emitting businesses that must close cannot be allowed to delay action, but you can't wait. You just need to shut down now. Go ahead, commit suicide in your industry. But meanwhile, the authors of this report are funded by the government to work across industry to support the transition to growth compatible with zero emissions. So see, you're supposed to shut down your factory, your business, your industry, 
but the government will help you guys along in the meantime. But remember, the target's 2050. So the meantime is on the other side of 30 years from now. So you're going to be on the government tit for 30 years and shut down your own prosperity in the process. That's their plan. That's the business's plan. The government is going to become more tyrannical to deliver on mass scale projects, obviously funded through the public and whatever in the businesses that they're milking dry for the funds to do it. This is socialism in action. And then individuals are just going to have to get on board with the, be disciplined for no emissions and change their lifestyles. Doesn't this sound enticing? Breakthrough technologies will be important in the future, but we cannot depend on them to reach our zero emissions target in 2050. Let me just break something to these UK fire geniuses at Cambridge and Oxford and wherever else. You morons. Let me just break something to you freaking morons. If we collapse energy production, we're not going to have research and development at any noticeable scale. There will be no breakthrough technologies. There will only be breakdown of society. You fucking morons. Energy is everything. Every, let me say it again. Energy is everything. You start tamping down on access to energy, you are not going to have breakthrough technologies. You're not going to go anywhere. You're going to collapse your society and its ability to support research and development that could make the breakthrough technologies. It's exactly the opposite of what any sensible approach would do. This is this is Jonestown drinking the fake Kool-Aid filled with poison on a societal scale because you're so scared of the boogeyman emission word that you've been brainwashed into thinking is the end of the world. Even if the emissions are this big of a problem, this is the worst possible approach you could take to solving that problem. Funding everything that you can do in the short term, including if that increases emissions in the short term, to generate the wealth and the foundation by which you could come up with these breakthrough technologies is the only path forward. There is no destroy your society to save the planet because there's no reason to save the planet for a destroyed society. It's not going to be a good life living on a heap of rubble, but with the biosphere somewhat more intact or whatever it is that you imagine you're achieving. But they say instead, this report sets an agenda for a long overdue public conversation across the whole of UK society about how we really want to achieve absolute zero within 30 years. No, 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 no. This is completely wrong. You've actually assumed the conclusion you have done circular logic. This is a long overdue public conversation about how we really want to achieve the agenda. No, no, no. We don't want to achieve the agenda. We want to take the people promoting the agenda and put them in the sea. We want to stop these stupid agendas. That's the conversation. Should we be doing this? Why should we be doing this? We shouldn't be doing Why shouldn't we be doing this? What are the, the real costs of this? These are the real conversations, not how are we going to do it and just assume that we're actually going to. And if you say, well, we have to because it's the law in the UK now, you need to fix the law. You need to change that law. Key messages, they tell us, for industrial sectors. Key message. Absolute zero creates a driver for, for tremendous growth. Lie. It, I just said why. Tremendous growth in industries related to electrification from material supply through generation and storage to end use. It's chasing a fantasy. The fossil fuel, cement, shipping, and aviation industries face rapid contraction. While construction in many manufacturing sectors can continue at today's scales with appropriate transformations. 
They tell us leisure, sports, creative arts, and voluntary work. These sectors can expand greatly and should have a central position in national definitions of welfare targets. Electricity sector and infrastructure, absolute zero requires a three times expansion in non-emitting electricity generation, storage, distribution, and load balancing. So more windmills, more solar panels, more fraud, more dependence on China. Construction sector, all new builds should be to zero energy standards of use. The impacts of construction are primarily about the use of materials, primarily steel and cement. Guess what? Those are going away. By 20, good luck building a modern society without steel and cement, but they're going to go away. By 2050, they say we will only have very limited cementious material and we'll only use recycled steel. See, they're going away. They just said that. But there are myriad opportunities for radical reductions in the amount of, of material used in each construction. So we're going to move to unrealistic energy. And then we're going to produce no cement and no new steel under absolute zero 2050. Steel sector. All existing forms of blast furnace production, which are already under great pressure due to global overcapacity, are not compatible with zero emissions. Uh-oh. However, recycling powered by renewables. So we're going to run a windmill to recycle metal. And that's all the steel we're going to have. However, recycling powered by renewables has tremendous opportunities for growth. Oh, good. Exploiting the fact that steel scrap supply will be treble in the next 30 years. There are short-term innovation opportunities related to delivering the highest quality of steel from recycling and longer-term opportunities for technologies for zero-carbon steel making from ore that could be deployed after 2050. So in 30 years, maybe we can start looking at how we can make zero-carbon steel delivery from iron ore but in the meantime, we're only going to recycle steel using renewable energy as the, as the source. Now, I don't know anything particularly about re steel recycling, so I don't know if this is good or bad. But the language here suggests to me, with this highest quality of steel from recycling, that maybe recycling steel is not the best way to get good quality steel. This is like the great leap forward that Mao did, where we're going to increase grain production and uh, steel production to outcompete the West except backwards. We're actually going to just stop production of some of these things. Cement sector. All existing forms of cement production are incompatible with zero emissions. Uh-oh. However, there are some opportunities for expanded use of clay. Oh, good. We're going to go back to clay huts. And urgent need to develop alternative processes and materials. Using microwaves uh, processes to recycle used cement appears promising. So what they're saying is we have no solution to cement. We're just going to stop doing it. Literally, the entire modern world is built out of concrete. All those cities they want to hurt us into, stealing concrete. Whoops, got to get rid of those. Mining and material supply. Zero emissions will drive a rapid transition in materials requirements. Oh, that sounds good. Significant reduction in demand for some ores and minerals, particularly those associated with steel and cement, are likely along with... A rapid expansion of demand for materials associated with electrification, which P.S. China basically owns all of now because of their Belt and Road Initiative. It seems likely that there will be opportunities for consolidation in the current diffuse businesses of secondary material collection, processing, inventory, and supply. Oh, the diffuse businesses of recycling the not enough we already have. I gotcha. Rail. The greatest efficiency of electric rail travel suggests a significant expansion in this area. These are the opportunities, remember, domestically and internationally. It, that is likely and would see high demand. The most efficient electric trains are aerodynamically efficient, like those designed for the highest speed operation today. 
but traveling at lower speeds. So they're going to waste more of your time and travel. It, yeah, we're going to have the same thing that we have, the highly efficient high-speed trains, but they're going to go slow. So they use less energy. And your time is going to get wasted. That's your lifestyle change. Wasting your time, just like the Soviet breadlines. Road vehicles. The transition to electric cars is already well underway, and with increasing demand, costs will presumably fall. <laughs> Wait, what? When demand goes up, cost goes up. That's the supply and demand law. When supply goes up, costs come down. So with increasing demand, costs will presumably fall. This is some serious economic analysis right here. We have already we already have targets for phasing out non-electric vehicles. Oh, okay. But by 2050, we'll only have 60% of the electricity required to power a fleet equivalent to that in use today. Uh-oh. Therefore, we'll either use 40% fewer cars or they will be 60% the size. No, that's 60% the size is not real. That doesn't translate directly into 60% of the energy use. So we will either use 40% fewer cars or we will use fewer cars. That's really what this comes down to. See, so most of you won't be able to have a car. And you don't need to because your leisure is going to be local. You're not going to travel. And there's a train you can walk to, but it'll go slow. Development of auto-grade steels from recycling is a priority. There's again that language, auto-grade steels. We don't know how to develop maybe auto-grade steel from recycling. We have to figure that out still. So there's not really a plan here. We're just going to do it anyway. And the need to control recycled metal quality may require changed models of ownership. Oh, wait. So now it's going to be a different model of ownership, like that they continue to own the vehicle and you only lease the vehicle, like the guy in the World Economic Forum video said, that they're going to maintain ownership and sell you the benefit of the product, but not let you own the product. Right. The rapid expansion of lithium battery production may hit short-term supply constraints. Remember when they said a minute ago that prices are going to fall? So they're saying demand is going to go up and supply is going to go down, both of which raise prices, but somehow prices are going to fall. This is some earth-shattering, like, break-all-the-laws-of-physics economic analysis they've got here. So anyway, short-term supply constraints and create environmental concerns at end of life. Yeah, because they don't know what to do with spent lithium batteries. Unless efficient recycling can be developed. Remember that they said we can't depend on breakthrough technologies? That's a breakthrough technology. So what's really going to happen is we're going to have to basically phase out car ownership in cars almost entirely because none of this is real. So far, we're doing great, right? This is a vision that everybody wants to live in. This is the opportunity section. International freight. We currently have no non-emitting freight ships. So there's an urgent need for exploration. Oh, another breakthrough technology. There's an urgent need for exploration of means to electrify ship power and options to transfer to electric rail. This would require an enormous expansion of all international rail capacity. But with no new steel, because we're only going to recycle steel, and no new cement to make concrete upon which the rail can run. Okay, this is realistic. Aviation. There are no options for zero emissions flight in the time available for action, so the industry faces a rapid contraction. They're telling the airline industry and every associated industry that it has to kill itself. That's what they're saying. You build jets. Sorry, Boeing. Sorry, Airbus. We don't need jets anymore. See you. You run an airline, United American, Ryanair, whatever, UK Air, Airways, Air France. See you. Close down, shut down, unemploy all those people. Developments, they say, in electric flight may be relevant beyond 2050. Now, just 
realize your kids are not going to see the world. If you have kids that are like 10 or 11 and you've got to have a few opportunities, you got to go to Europe, maybe you got to go here, you got to go there. You got to see some things. Maybe you are European. You got to come to America. You got to see Texas. Yeehaw cowboys with the guns. You got to do all this. Mm-mm, not anymore. Your kids will not see the world. Your kids will barely leave the local area where they live because all of these rapid contractions, they certainly will not fly anywhere. There will be no airlines to fly on. Fossil fuel industries, all coal, gas, and oil fuel supply from extraction through the supply chain to retail must close within 30 years, although carbon capture and storage may allow some activity later. Whole industries closing, hundreds of thousands of people's jobs canceled because zero emissions on this this is the stupidest plan I've ever heard. Now, of course, that's also a massive contraction in energy. That's why the check mark on the cover of this thing shows a massive contraction in energy. Travel and tourism. Without flying, there will be growth in domestic and train reach tourism and leisure. In other words, travel and tourism, gone. You run hotels? Over. Done. Gone. You run resorts? How are people getting to them? You run cruise lines? Nobody's coming. By the way, you run a big ship that's not electric. Travel and tourism, shut down. And how do they sell it to you? There will be growth in domestic and train reach tourism and leisure on rails that are wholly recycled steel because we can't have new steel and no new cement. Food and agriculture, beef and lamb phased out by 2050 and replaced by greatly expanded demand for vegetarian food. Because you're starving, you'll have demand for vegetables and grains and seed oils. Electricity supply for food processing and storage will be cut by 50%. Also, not only will you have massive increases in demand for vegetarian food, no meat, but we're going to have to cut back on the electricity supply that manages the food processing and storage, and we can assume distribution, by 50%. And we're not going to ship any on container ships because those are not going to exist. It has to all be light rail. Building maintenance and retrofit, rapid growth in demand for conversion to electric heat pump-based heating matched to improvements in insulation and air tightness for building envelopes. In other words, no more gas heat, no more gas stoves, blah, blah, blah. Key messages, that's for the industrial sector. Key messages for individuals. Key message. The big actions are travel less distance. These are the things they want you to do. These are your lifestyle changes. Travel less distance, travel by train or in small or full electric cars, and stop flying. Use the heating, it says that, use the heating less and electrify the boiler when next upgrading. Lobby for construction with half the material for twice as long. Stop eating beef and lamb. Each action we take to reduce emissions at home or at work creates a positive ripple effect. No, it doesn't. It creates dead people. It creates miserable lives. It creates starvation. It is the equivalent of the the Holodomor in Ukraine under Stalin. As individuals, we can all work toward absolute zero through our purchasing and our influence. Each positive action we take has a double effect, they tell us. It reduces emissions directly and it encourages governments and businesses to be bolder in their response. Where we cause emissions directly, we can have a big effect by purchasing differently. Where they are released by organizations rather than individuals, we can lobby for change. So you got to become a climate change activist, by the way. The act with no food. 
The actions stated as absolutes below are those which will be illegal in 2050 due to the Climate Change Act. Living well. The activities we most enjoy, according to the UK's Comprehensive Time Use Survey, are sports, social life, eating, what are you going to eat though, hobbies, games, computing, with what electricity, reading, TV, with what electricity, music, radio, volunteering, and sleeping. We can all do more of these without any impact on emissions. Shh, just go to sleep. Just go to sleep. Traveling. The impact of our traveling depends on how far we travel and how we do it. The most efficient way to travel is with a large number of people traveling in a vehicle with a small front, and we can all reduce our annual total mileage. Stop using airplanes. Take the train, not the car when possible. This is really what it's telling people to do. One, stop using airplanes. Two, take the train, not the car when possible. Three, use all the seats in the car or get a smaller one. Four, Choose an electric car next time if possible, which will become easier as prices fall. We already talked about how that's fake. And charging infrastructure expands. Five, lobby for more trains. Be an activist. In other words, lobby for more trains, no new roads, airport closure, and more renewable electricity. What are these people talking about? How insane are they? Heating, but remember... You doing this helps the environment and helps governments want to do more of it. So what do you do? Literally the opposite. Go roll coal, guys. Go set tires on fire. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Heating and appliances. Our energy bills are mainly driven by our heating and hot water. Oh no. What are they going to suggest? One, use the boiler for less time if possible. Staying warm by only heating rooms if people are sitting in them, sealing up air gaps, and adding insulation. Two, wear warmer clothes in the winter. It really says that. Less heat, more warm clothes. I mean, that's fine maybe if you're in south of England. How are we doing in Minnesota? You're going to freeze to death. Three, next time you replace the boiler, choose an electric air or ground source heat pump if possible. You see, there won't be enough electricity to use it, but you should do that. Four, buy smaller, more efficient appliances that last longer. Sure, more effort there. Good luck. Five, lobby, again, activist. Five, lobby for zero carbon building standards. Cut off your own legs. It doesn't actually say it. Lobby for zero carbon building standards. Means-tested support for housing retrofit and more renewable electricity. This is insanely stupid. Purchasing. Most industrial emissions relate to producing materials which are made efficiently but used wastefully, so we need to reduce the weight of material made. Oh, so we're going to produce less. Remember when Klaus Schwab recently said that we're going to move away with a new social contract from an economy of producing and consuming to one of sharing and caring? So you're going to share things with people a lot, and they're going to tell you what to care about because... We have to reduce the weight of material made, they tell us here in the report. The highest volumes of material use are not by households, but to make commercial and public buildings and infrastructure, industrial equipment, and vehicles. So what do you do as an individual? One, be an activist. Literally. One, lobby businesses and the government to make buildings and infrastructure with half the material guaranteed to last for twice as long. That sounds like a little bit of a pipe dream, especially with no concrete and no steel. Two, when extending or modifying your home, try to choose recycled or reused materials and avoid cement. Hmm, okay. Three, 
aim to reduce the total weight of material you purchase each year. Listen to these people. Four, lobby for border controls on emissions in materials like we have with food standards to allow businesses fit for absolute zero to grow and prosper in the UK. Lobby, lobby, lobby. Come be an activist. This is what you can do as an individual. Eating. Small changes in the diet can have a big effect. One, reduce consumption of beef and lamb as these have far higher emissions than any other common food. Far higher nutrition as well, but what the hell? We don't need you. You're a person and you're in the way. Fewer of you means fewer emissions. Two, choose more locally sourced food if possible to reduce food miles, particularly aiming to cut out air freighted foods. Three, aim to use less frozen and processed meals as these dominate the energy energy use of food manufacturers. Four, again with the activism, lobby supermarkets to support farmers in using less fertilizer. It has high a high impact, but much of it is wasted as it is spread too far away from the plants. Okay, listen to how stupid this is. Lobby supermarkets to get farmers not to use fertilizer. This is some Red Guard Mao stuff. This is nonsense. Go attack these other people who have nothing to do with what you're actually doing so that they will, will make the biggest mistake in agriculture since Lysenko. Why this report matters. Key message. We are legally committed to reducing the UK's emissions to zero by 2050. There's an easy fix for that, gang. Get rid of the law. That's a stupid, dangerous, ridiculous, murderous law. Get rid of it. And there isn't time to do this by deploying technologies that don't yet operate at scale. We need a public discussion about the changes required and how to convert them into a great industrial strategy. It's a great leap forward into the toilet. Timelines. In her last significant act as Prime Minister, Theresa May changed the UK's Climate Change Act to commit us to eliminating all greenhouse gas emissions in the UK by 2050. This decision is based on good climate science was a response to a great wave of social protest. Again, let me ask you the key question about that. So fucking what? And has been replicated in 60 other countries already. They left out the word shithole countries before that. That's weird. However, 30 years is a short time for such a big change. Politicians in the UK and internationally talk about climate change as if it can be solved by new energy technologies alone, and UK government reports are overconfident about how much progress has been achieved. In reality, most UK cuts in emissions have been a result of Mrs. Thatcher's decision to switch from coal to gas-fired electricity and to allow UK heavy industry to close. The UK has been successful in reducing methane emissions by separating our organic waste and using it in anaerobic digesters to make gas for energy, but new energy technologies are developing slowly. There are no invisible solutions to climate change, so we urgently need to engage everyone in the process of delivering the changes that will lead to zero emissions. Why do why are we why is zero emissions a thing? Oh, because Theresa May made a law that said, which is completely, this is literally socially constructed. That can literally be socially deconstructed too. Confusion about technologies. In this report, we're using three different descriptions of the technologies which cause emissions. Today's technologies are the mass market products of today, such as typical petrol or diesel cars. Incremental technologies could be delivered today if customers ask for them, for example, smaller cars. Breakthrough technologies such as cars powered by hydrogen fuel cells may already exist but haven't captured even 5% of the world market yet. Incremental technologies can be developed rapidly, but breakthrough technologies can't. We're concerned that most plans for dealing with climate change depend on breakthrough technologies, so will not deliver in time. 
why we've written this report now. The authors of this report are funded by the UK government to support businesses and governments, national and regional, to develop a future industrial strategy that's compatible with zero emissions. To do that, we have to anticipate how we'll make future goods and buildings. Also think about what performance we want from them. Remember, no steel, no concrete. Maybe they'll be made out of recycled plastic. What we mean by, quote, absolute zero. The UK's Climate Change Act contains two, quote, escape words. It discusses, quote, net emissions and targets on those that occur in our, quote, territory. However, in reality, apart from planting more trees, we don't have any short-term options to remove emissions from the atmosphere, and even a massive expansion in forestry would only have a small effect compared to today's emissions. Furthermore, shutting factories in the UK doesn't make any change to global emissions, and it may make them worse if we import goods from countries with less efficient processes. Public concern about the capital C climate is too well informed to be sidelined by political trickery on definitions. No, it's not. It's completely consumed by political trickery on definitions. These people. In writing this report, we have therefore assumed that the target of zero emissions is absolute, that there are no negative emissions options or meaningful, quote, carbon offsets. Absolute zero means zero emissions. The UK is responsible for all emissions caused by its purchasing, including imported goods, international flights, and shipping. Invitation to participate. This report presents our best estimate of absolute zero based on publicly reported data and peer-reviewed evidence. That's peer review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Undoubtedly, there are more opportunities that we don't know of, and if this report proves useful, there will be other aspects of the journey to absolute zero, like it's a fantasy novel, that we can help to inform. We, be, we welcome contributions and comment. I got some comments for you. Y'all are fucking crazy and going to kill people. Stop it. There's some comments. We welcome contributions and comment, and we'll provide an edited summary of any discussion on ukfires.org. Please put on your website in giant letters on the front page, James Lindsay says, you are fucking crazy and this will kill people. There's Put an edited summary of my, dis my discussion, please. If there is demand, we will update and reissue the report in response. When you update and reissue the report in response, that's all it should say. This is fucking crazy and it's going to kill people. Please contact us via info at ukfires.org. And if you found this report useful, please share it through your networks. And so there's lots of little uh, graphics and things. But then there's this chart. And I can't actually show you the chart on audio, but I can tell you about the chart. So it has on the horizontal scale, it has a years. 2020 through 2029 is the first block. 2030 through 2049 is the second block. 2050, absolute zero, and then beyond 2050. And then it has a vertically, it has a bunch of industries. And what it shows is all of these things contracting, some of them to zero by 2050. So road vehicles, 2029, or 20, in the 2020s, development of petrol diesel engines ends. Any new vehicle introduced from now on must be compatible with absolute zero by 2030. From in the 2030s and 2040s, all New vehicles, electric, average size of cars reduces to around 1,000 kilograms. Remember, electric cars weigh more than gas cars. 2050, absolute zero. Road use at 60% of 2020 levels through reducing distance traveled and reducing vehicle weight. Beyond 2050, new options for energy storage linked to expanding non-emitting electricity may allow demand growth. Maybe. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen is that whole industry is going to collapse and everything's going to go to hell. We're going to say that a few more times. Rail. 
in the 2020s. Growth in domestic and international rail as substitutes for flights and low occupancy car travel. So how are they going to do substitutes for flights? Why are people going to pick rail? Well, some lunatics are going to decide this is necessary and important and they're morally virtuous and they're going to ride the train. But what they're really going to do is create demand crises and supply crises in aviation so that it's too expensive and too scary and too prohibitive to want to fly so people won't want to. So then they'll take other options. So plane crashes, I would expect, um, with whatever causes. Uh, artificial circumstances that hike the price of flights, they're already up about 200% since this was written across the world. Um, as somebody who buys a lot of flights, I can tell you they are two to three times as expensive as they were when I started this journey just a couple of years ago. 2030s and 40s, further growth in rail, further growth with expanded network and all electric trains. Rail becomes the dominant mode for freight as shipping declines. So we're going to do all of our shipping with electric trains. That's real. 2050, absolute zero. Electric trains are the preferred mode of travel for people and freight over all significant distances. Beyond 2050, train speeds increase. Remember, they're going to go really slow to save emissions until train speeds increase with increasing available of zero emissions electricity. So only as we get more zero emissions electricity is rail going to pick up speed. In the meantime, you're just going to have really slow, shitty rail with no new steel to lay the rails, which seems extremely real. Flying. 2020s. Just in the 2020s. Remember, it's 2023 right now. All airports in the UK, all airports except Heathrow, Glasgow, and Belfast close with transfers by rail. So the UK will have three airports in Heathrow, that's Heathrow in London, Glasgow's airport, and Belfast. So Ireland gets one, Scotland gets one, and England gets one. Everything else is by train. That's through 2030. 2030 to the 2030s and 2040s. All remaining airports close. I wasn't kidding. You're killing your industry. If you're in the airline industry or anything tangential to it or the travel and tourism industry, you better start speaking up because you're going to destroy all of it. All airports except three close within the next seven years. All of them, but those three biggest. And then in the next two decades, all remaining airports close. 2050, absolute zero. What does it have? It just has a red circle with a line through it. Nothing. Zero. No air travel. Dead. Gone. Beyond 2050, electric planes may fly with synthetic fuel once there are excess non-emitting electricity supplies. Nobody's flying except the elite in their fancy private jets. Shipping. Shipping. Think about this. Shipping. Food and commercial goods. There are currently no freight ships operating without emissions, so shipping must contract. That's the 2020s. Stop and think about it for a second. Almost no key Necessary good primary manufacturing happens in most Western countries. It's almost all imported from largely Asia. We're going to get rid of shipping. Think. And then in the next decades, 2030s and 2040s, all shipping declines to zero. 2050 at absolute zero. Again, the red circle with a line through it. There just is no shipping. No shipping. No flying by 2050. After 2050, some naval ships operate with onboard nuclear power. Some naval ships operate. And new storage options may allow electric power. So no shipping, massively reduced navies. Heating. 
Electric heat pumps in the 2020s will replace gas boilers, and building retrofits for air tightness insulation and external shading will expand rapidly. In the next two decades, 2030s and 40s, programmed to provide all interior heat with heat pumps and energy retrofits for all buildings. So the, 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 the bar is narrowing down to absolute zero 2050 heating powered on for 60% of today's use. So it's going to be 40% colder or really hotter in the summer. Option to, uh, after 2050, option to increase use of heating and cooling as supply of non-emitting electricity expands. This is literally insane. Cold kills people. Hot only kills a few people. Cold kills a lot of people. Heating powered on for only 60% of today's use. We're talking about millions of dead people with this brilliant plan they have here. Besides the fact that their nutrition is inadequate and they're not getting enough food because there is no shipping. Appliances. This decade, gas cookers phased out rapidly in favor of electric hobs and ovens. See, there's your gas your gas oven or gas stove is gone. Fridges, freezers, and washing machines become smaller. So America's on track with some of this, at least. 2030s and 40s, electrification of all appliances and reduction in size to cut power requirement. Mm. So that in 2050, all appliances meet stringent efficiency standards to use 60% of today's energy. After 2050, use number and size of appliances may increase with increasing zero emissions energy or sorry, electricity supply. Does this sound realistic? Food. This decade, national consumption of beef and lamb drops by 50%, along with reduction in frozen ready meals and air freighted food imports. In 2030s through 2050, beef and lamb are phased out, along with all imports not transported by train, fertilizer use greatly reduced. We're talking millions of dead people here. In absolute zero 2050, total energy required to cook or transport food reduced to 60%. Notice that we have already got rid of fertilizer and we've already got rid of shipping and we're already not eating any meat. So massive starvation's already occurred. I wonder how they're going to get it down to 60%. After 2050, energy available for fertilizing, transporting, and cooking increases with zero emissions electricity. It's all dependent on zero emissions electricity. Mining and material sourcing. They didn't miss a single thing, by the way. Reduced demand for iron ore and limestone as blast furnace iron and cement reduces. Increased demand for materials for electrification. Guess who's going to be buying up all those reduced demand things? Oh, yeah, China. China's going to be buying up all the quarries and all of the mines. 2030 through 2050, iron ore and limestone are phased out while metal scrap supply chain expands greatly and develops with very high precision sorting. In absolute zero 2050, demand for, demand for scrap steel and ores for electrification much higher. No iron ore, no limestone. This sounds so realistic. After 2050, demand for iron ore and limestone may develop again if CCS, carbon capture storage, applied to cement and iron production. So only if there's a breakthrough technology in carbon capture and storage will we have cement and limestone again, but only 30 years from now. Which, by the way, guess who's not going to do this and guess who's going to be producing all of it? China. So that demand for iron ore and limestone is going to be paying China for all of it because they're going to get, they're going to buy all the mines. Materials production. Steel recycling grows while cement and blast furnace iron reduce. That's this decade. 
Steel recycling grows while cement and blast furnace iron reduce. Some plastics with processes, or sorry, with process emissions reduce. In 2030s and 40s, cement and new steel phased out along with emitting plastics. Steel recycling grows. Aluminum, paper reduced with energy supply. In 2050, all material production, elect, uh, all materials production is electric with a total of 60% power availability compared to 2020. They're literally talking about contracting everything that they're allowing to survive to 60% while phasing out everything else. After 2050, material production may expand with electricity and carbon capture and storage. I don't know what CCU is, carbon capture utilization, or I don't know what the U is. Hydrogen may enable new cement and steel. Maybe. Construction. 2020s. Reduced cement supply compensated by improved material efficiency. New steel replaced by recycled steel. 2030s and 40s. All conventional mortar and concrete phased out. All steel recycled. Very realistic. Focus on retrofit and adapt, uh, adaption of existing buildings. Now hold on. All steel recycled with massive increases in rail. Just put them together for a second. Any cement by 2050 must be produced in closed loop. New builds must be highly optimized for material saving. And so this is just the kind of communist program of not wasting anything that they always do and end up starving millions and destroying the lives of millions. Only this time it will be billions. It will be billions if this is followed. After 2050, there might be growth in the cement replacements to allow for more architectural, architectural freedom, and new steel may become available. Manufacturing. 2020s. Material efficiency becomes prominent as material supply contracts. So we're going to get rid of materials. China's not. I'm just going to tell you China's not. In the next two decades, 2030s and 40s, most goods made with 50% as much material, many now used for twice as long. This is a society killing itself. This is all this is. 2050, manufacturing inputs reduced by 50%, compensated by new designs and manufacturing practices, no necessary reduction in output. And after 2050, restoration of reduced material supplies allows expansion in output, although some goods will be uh, in the future smaller and used for longer than previously. Electricity. This decade, wind and solar supplies grow as rapidly as possible, that's realistic, with associated storage and distribution. Rapid expansion in electrification of end uses. I wonder if the rule they said before that all of the inputs going into an industry count as their emissions, because those are really high emission production processes. So maybe there just won't be that much uh, energy available, even though they're growing as rapidly as possible, which is a limiting factor that's vague. In the 2030s and 40s, fourfold increase in renewable generation from 2020, all non-electrical motors and heaters phased out. This sounds great. 2050, all energy supply is non-emitting electricity. And then after 2050, demand for non-emitting electricity drives ongoing expansion and supply. Maybe. <laughs> okay, and then last but not least, fossil fuels. 2020's rapid reduction in supply and use of all fossil fuels except for oil for plastic production. 2030s and 40s, fossil fuels completely phased out. Whole industries just killing themselves. 2050, we got the red circle with the line through it again. Zero. None. Absolute zero. Gone. No fossil fuels. No shipping. No flying. After 2050, development of carbon capture and storage may allow 
resumption of use of gas and coal for electricity. This is what we're talking about. I'm not going to go through any more of this, actually, because I'm actually on a tight schedule. But the whole document is this way. It's talking about energy transitions and how this is all supposed to magically work. We're going to have food transitions. We're going to have no steel, no cement, no red meat, no container shipping, no fossil fuels, with energy on their own graph plummeting to precipitously low levels. So let me just make it very blunt and clear again. What happens when you allow energy levels to precipit precipitously fall? People die. That's what happens. People's quality of life goes in the toilet and lots and lots and lots of people die. The increase in quality of life that we've experienced for the past, say, couple centuries has been because we've been better at harnessing energy. When we intentionally cut ourselves off at the balls with our energy production, quality of life diminishes rapidly. As it diminishes rapidly, exactly in line with what Herbert Marcuse said it had to do, where we have to get content with fewer things, less gadgets, less plastic, um, and a lower quality of life. As it contracts and contracts and contracts, life gets worse and worse and worse. And then allegedly somehow, because we defeated emissions, which is the big scary bad guy in all of this story, by 2050, then we can start to arc back up in a whole beautiful new utopian green world that doesn't have any of these problems. So this, again, is the UK Absolute Zero program that was published by UK Fires, which is not an insignificant organization. This is the program that they have. You, we talk a lot about Agenda 2030 and the Sustainable Development Goals and what a catastrophe those are. Those, by the way, are considered wholly inadequate in this report. They are not even close to adequate. They are barely a starting place. And the program that they're that they're literally putting out here is destruction, 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 destruction for the next 30 years. And then if things are good, then we can start rebuilding in a new utopian electric world that recycles everything in a circular economy or whatever it happens to be. This is what's being proposed. This is the world that they are painting for us. This is the agenda. And like I said, the travel tourism and transportation industries have bought into this, but they're starting to get nervous. People in those industries, if you are one or no one, you should share this podcast with them. If you are one, need to start blowing the whistle. Documents showing that this is happening need to be released. The shareholders in these corporations need to know that these companies are committing suicide. The business judgment rule doesn't apply because the company is not trying to maximize shareholder returns if it's literally killing itself. This is super important. So this is the plan for the West to, to commit suicide. This is what this is. And it's because there is a law that says there will be zero emissions, but they even say there are weasel words where it's not clear exactly what it means by 2050. That's a law. That's a construct. We do not have to do that. That law can be repealed, scrapped, torn up, thrown into the channel and ignored. It can be actually undone. One pass of legislation gets rid of it. It's that simple, actually. We are not committed to doing this by anything other than a corrupt establishment's decision that this is the thing we must do. And I'm telling you, this program of so-called sustainable, zero emissions, absolute zero um, an economy is going to kill billions of people. I know that the UK doesn't specifically have billions, but as the West collapses, we are going to see billions of people around the world die. And as they start to starve and die, we're going to see massive societal breakdown. This is the stupidest thing 
arguably the stupidest thing human beings have ever done. At least Mao's Great Leap Forward, which is currently the first place winner for the stupidest thing human beings have ever done. Easily, 55 plus million dead, absolute catastrophe, wrecked China, wrecked China's culture, wrecked China's society, wrecked China's economy. So bad. Easily the stupidest thing we've ever This is a repeat of Mao's Great Leap Forward with no intention to go forward. Where at least Mao understood that grain and steel were somehow related to a productive, uh, growing, healthy society. This report actually says the opposite. It believes that getting to zero emissions by any means possible is what it takes to be a growing and flourishing society. This is literally a great leap backwards, intentionally, to 60% of 2020 use. In their own words, zero flying. Again, I cannot even get my head around the idea of zero shipping. Are you insane? We could take all the energy off of the table. We could take even the flying for business, leisure, pleasure, whatever, families off of the table. We could take all that off the table. Zero shipping is the death of tens or hundreds of millions of people or more. This is a great leap backwards because we have to leap forward into the zero emission future that the climate alarmists have decided is the only way forward. And that's what it, where Mao saw that wheat production and steel production were the marks of a flourishing and growing and booming society. Having zero emissions is the disease the West, the mental disease the West has decided are the marks of a growing and flourishing society. Literally contraction framed as growth. And this is the plan that they have for us. We all talk about 2030, 2050 is worse, and they have this plan. And like I said, serious people in serious industries that are the industries being asked to kill themselves and to be carried, the, the executives are going to be carried by the governments and by the banks with the whole ESG scam. They get their bonuses. They're going to be okay personally. They get their bonuses from implementing this as C-suite executives, as board members. They get their bonuses for implementing this. They, as individuals, will be okay while their corporation and all the people they employ fall. This is unbelievably stupid, but it's also an unbelievable violation of their corporate charters. Their shareholders should be scared and furious. They should be demanding investigations, demanding documents, and filing lawsuits. Discovery should be pulling things out of the uh, document files of these corporations proving that they are lying to and scamming their shareholders. We're talking the auto industry, the airline industry, the travel and tourism industry, the cruise industry, the shipping industry, every tangentially related industry, all of them, and the fossil fuel industry. Every single one of them is violating their corporate charter, which is what's the, the so-called business judgment rule that courts would say, well, they're obviously working in charge of the shareholder fiduciary responsibility because that's what they're corp incorporated to do. They are in direct violation of that. And this needs to be torn down root and branch. The way it happens is if you're in these industries or outside of them, you can become the lobbyist too. You need to lobby for whistleblowers or you need to become a whistleblower. We need to expose this and we need this entire racket to start crashing down. This is grotesque in what its scope and scale is. This is Lysenko. This is, this is Stalin visiting the Holodomor or Mao doing the Great Leap Forward times 10 at least. 
This is a catastrophe of unprecedented proportion. So I wanted to share it with you and show you that this document exists. The people in very serious places, Cambridge, Oxford, blah, 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 the UK government are taking it very seriously, funding it, promoting it, pushing it. And this is what they're demanding of us. This is what all those individual changes ruin your own quality of life, your children's quality of life, your grandchildren's quality of life, so that they can hit their zero emission target because that's the thing they decided proves that you're a good and flourishing society. Thanks for listening. We've got to do something about this. So you had to know about it.